0: Hello, everybody. If you take nothing else from this week's podcast, know this, the Shut-In Ridge Trail Run in Asheville, North Carolina is a difficult race. I, George, and Michelle ran it this past weekend, and we're going to be sharing our reflections and race report on that race on today's podcast Uh, Before we get into that, we are going to talk a little bit about the awarding of the United States Olympic Marathon Trials to the city of Orlando to be held in February of 2024. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the results of the New York City Marathon. Thanks for being with us. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip They're all well traveled and knowledgeable and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out their conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL Coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They're vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayerX. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips and Porta johns It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite Slayer X Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at slayerx.com or with in-person testing like patrick and i did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114 hydrate is the fuel that i used during the blue ridge relay this year and i recommend it for all of you as well slayerx products are 100 percent natural come in great flavors are vegan friendly and the hydrate light is keto friendly they've all been well researched and developed by a uga food scientist who's also an iron man athlete The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at slayrx.com, on amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRX for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast.
1: Welcome to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching, Blue Pineapple Travel and Slayer X. My name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance coach and athlete and I am joined today by two, not just one, but two endurance coaches (laughs) and athletes.
2: My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls and a CPA.
0: My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach, along with my two fellow coaches, Eric Hall and Michelle Frank. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, like Michelle, not like Eric. I'm the father of twin boys, like neither of them. And I'm a college professor, also like neither of them. I'm happy to be with y'all. Welcome back.
2: I'm really nervous if anybody is a first-time listener about what just happened in our intro.
0: (laughs) Michelle, the CPA, likes for things to follow a predictable pattern.
2: (laughs) I'm extremely struggling right now, but I'll recover. Just give me a minute.
1: And the the interesting thing is a first-time listener would have no idea what just happened.
0: Yeah, they, they they wouldn't think anything was different. They, they would think, oh, this they must be introducing themselves as they often do at the beginning of their podcast.
2: Well, um, then my empathy to all of our regular listeners, because that had to sound weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking so, of sounding weird with, with introductions, how about the uh, cold opens by our kids over the course of the past couple of weeks?
2: That's been really fun. It's
0: (laughs) been phenomenal.
1: I have enjoyed both of those. So yeah,
0: We've started putting cold opens at the start here, and this is something we'll continue into next year. We're always trying to experiment and do new things. But first, Eric did one, then Michelle did one, then I did one. And then it was going to fall to me again. And I thought it felt strange for me to do it two weeks in a row. And so I asked my sons which of them wanted to do it. And one of them ardently did not. And one of them vehemently did. Um, And so he ended up recording that intro. And then, of course, Michelle's eight-year-old heard that and said that she wanted to record an intro. Michelle, I think you had a little bit harder time convincing your daughter to, to uh, record the intro than we did, right?
2: I did, but we had a dress rehearsal the night before, and then there was some really good stuff during that dress rehearsal. And then I woke her up early, which I think was the downfall because she was a little bit less enthusiastic. So I had to... <laughs> Sort as, of pep As would I
0: be at age 48, but yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but she likes the way that it sounds now. And of course I, you know, sent it to everybody, all the grandparents, <laughs> aunts, uncles. So now when everybody sees her, you know, my dad will say something like, I was listening to this podcast the other day and I heard this familiar voice and she feels a little, I guess, podcast famous, but that's, that's good for her eight-year-old soul. So
0: absolutely absolutely very good very good let's talk about what's going on with everybody here um we are going to be talking about the the shut-in ridge trail race here and eric gets to be on the other side of the mic and interview us which i think is the reason why he wanted to uh to lead the intro today um but uh but michelle have you planned your trip to orlando on february 3rd of 2024 yet
2: Okay. So here's the deal. (laughs) I did a Verbo and an Airbnb search for, uh, there's eight of us that I think are going to share a house and like certain, uh, filters, free cancellation, you know, no pets. And I found there's too many places. And the problem is, is the most, um, detailed, you know, information I can find about the course was this tiny little blurb in the USATF press release. Right. By the way, we are talking about USATF awarded the 2024 Olympic marathon trials to Orlando. Finally. Um,
0: So this was was months after they were supposed to have made that announcement, but, but yeah, and it's the latest that they've announced where and when the trials were going to be in the last several cycles, but keep going.
2: There is a, a blurb that says that Track Shack is actually in charge of putting on the event. And they said that they want to kind of show off quote, downtown Orlando. Mm -hmm. But other than that, there's no information on, you know, what the actual course is going to be. So finding a place to stay right now, you could basically be, you know, getting an Airbnb, let's say in Decatur and the Olympic trials are in East Cobb, (laughs) which for those who aren't in the Metro Atlanta area, that's, very far away from one another and they could both be considered Atlanta and you're crossing town and I think the best thing that we can all do. So we came up with two solutions. Either we all reserve a house in different parts with free cancellation and then who's ever closest to the course will book it. All right. Or we just wait it out another, you know, probably I would say at most six to 12 weeks and then they'll probably tell us the course. That might be a little bit too hopeful for USATF. But the other thing is there are so many hotels in Orlando and yeah. even the Ritz Carlton in Orlando is like 375 a night. I mean, it is not, lodging is not going to be a problem, I guess yeah. is is what I've come down to. So yes, I did stress a little bit about it. I did. I cert- get
0: that impression.
2: Uh, well, because people put me in charge of it like right away. So I asked for 24 hour turnaround and then of course I spent an hour on it. <laughs>
0: I was I was going to say so. So my big takeaway is that, yes, you are planning your trip to (laughs) to see the Olympic trials in 2024 in Orlando. So the 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 one uh, one good thing is that that uh, there in February, Orlando is driving distance from Michelle and me. It'd be a little bit of a long drive for Eric, for sure. Um, And so so I think that we can probably plan on going down there for it. it's probably going to be a flat course. Orlando is not exactly known for its hills, um, even though the Olympic marathon course, which has been announced, is not a flat course by any stretch. Not at all. Uh, it's a beautiful, fantastic, stunning, inspiring course there in Paris in 2024, but it is not flat. Um, but it, and it's probably going to be kind of hot, too. Um, the average temperature in uh orlando on tho- those days or in the middle of the day on february 3rd over the course of the past several years is 69 degrees that's not exactly ideal marathoning temperature might be ideal for other things but not ideal for for marathoning so it will be nice for spectators i suppose but 69 is not great for marathoning
2: i think it'll be really interesting to see what a lot of the training groups do because i'm not so sure that altitude is going to benefit people more than training uh And the humidity, honestly, Mm -hmm. like when they announced Orlando, my thought was, you know, Atlanta track club or, uh, even on, I think, sorry, zap goes to Tallahassee Mm -hmm. January. It's like, that's Mm -hmm. perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then you're training through those conditions. So I guess we'll see what happens. But the downside to this is I think we have two very different top threes on both the men and women's side. Based on a flat, fast course or, you know, a hillier, more technical course like we saw in the trials here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So it almost feels as if we might not be sending our, you know, quote unquote, A team to Paris. But what are you going to do about it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, There had been some some concern and some question that there wasn't going to be a 2024 marathon trials um the 2020 marathon trials as we have talked about a great deal on this podcast and as everybody knows were are here in atlanta and they were fantastic Um, But they were problematic for the Atlanta Track Club because they were so incredibly expensive. Uh, USATF, the governing body, puts a lot of the logistics and cost, if not all the logistics and cost, onto the local organizing committee. Um, And the payoff is just not what you would hope it would be. It was particularly not so for the Atlanta Track Club because it was literally the weekend before the pandemic shut everything down. Um, and so they never had the opportunity to capitalize on any of the things that they might have been able to capitalize on um, uh, over the course of 2020. Orlando stepped up, decided to do it. So I'm glad we're going to have you know the traditional American trials that that uh, the rest of the world appreciates and that and that feels so democratic and American to all of us. Um, but um, but but yeah, Orlando. Okay. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> um my uh my mother-in-law will be excited she's a big disney fan so you know maybe we can talk her into going down there and watching the race and visiting a few parks um it'll be a couple weeks before all of the uh the february breaks before everybody's winter break kind of kicks in that sort of thing so maybe that's a good time to visit disney world <laughs> <laughs> eric did you see how all your favorite celebrities did in the new york city marathon
1: now, if you're not a long-time listener, <laughs> you don't realize the sarcasm in that question.
0: We're really I, looking out for new listeners today, aren't we? Right. I, um, I did not.
1: I, I did not. All right. I don't have any.
0: So there, there was a range of performances, as you might imagine, from the uh, various celebrities that took part. Um, we did mention all of them, of course, when we were previewing the New York City Marathon, because as I said, I feel like that's like a part of the New York City Marathon is that you have celebrities run because celebrities are so new york um but to go through them kind of quickly here uh, marit Bjorgen, uh, olympic gold medalist in cross-country skiing did a 308 which you know for an olympic medalist in cross-country skiing and that's kind of what you would expect i suppose Uh, former bachelor on the bachelor matt james did 346 Uh, megan dugan who is an olympic gold medalist in hockey did 352 Aston Kutcher, who we talked about beforehand, um, raised a million dollars for his charity um, and uh, and ran 354, which is a solid run Pretty there good. for Aston Kutcher. Yeah. Um, Casey Neistat, used uh, Huber and filmmaker, also did 354. Uh, Claire Holt did 403, an actress. Uh, Lauren uh, Ridloff, who's an actress from The Walking Dead, she's a deaf actress, um, and Eternals, um, she played, I think, Connie in The Walking Dead and um, Macari in The Eternals, uh, she did 405, um, Zach Clark, who was also in The Bachelorette, did 408. Chelsea Clinton ran it again. Uh, she did 420. Um, we mentioned uh, the host from Good Morning America, Amy Robach and TJ Holmes. They actually ran together the whole time uh, in 425. Uh, TJ Holmes, to his credit, was his first marathon around mile 10. He, he looked at Amy Robach and said, this is great, I'm gonna do this again. And so he said it was like one of his favorite days ever in the city, which I thought was kind of cool. Monica Pugue, uh, Olympic gold medals in tennis, did 432. Uh, Sierra Bogus, a Broadway actress, she originated the role of Ariel in um, The Little Mermaid and originated the role of Rosalie in School of Rock. She did 506. And Ellie Kemper, the actress from The Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, did 5.17. So good for her. Uh, Tiki Barber, uh, the retired running, uh, Giants running back, who runs it every year. I want to say this is his eighth or ninth time, uh, as we mentioned last time. He ran 5.26, which is about what he always runs. So kudos to him. We should also mention, even though I know that that Eric will probably tune out as soon as we start talking about non-celebrities with the New York City Marathon, um, that the New York City Marathon was actually won uh, by Sharon Locati. Uh, wearing Under Armour shoes um, in two hours, 23 minutes and 23 seconds. And then the men's race was won by uh, Evans Tibet in 208.41, wearing uh, much more boring or at least much more successful or traditional or whatever you want to say, Adidas shoes. Alephine Tuyamuk was seventh place for the first American uh, woman. And Scott Fable, who signed a contract with Nike about... Twelve hours before the race starts, had um, dinner uh, the night
2: before. Was uh, awesome.
0: Was ninth um, for uh, and was the first American in the race, um, as he tends to do. He tends to to run those American races and be our first American finisher. So kudos to him. Uh, it
2: feels like we should never give up an opportunity to talk about a pair of Adidas shoes that have five names. So uh, <laughs> Evans Chibet wore the Adidas Adi Zero Adios Pro Threes.
0: Very good. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you Sweet. for that. Well, what and so and what were the names of the of Sharon Locati's Under Armour shoes that only got approved like ten days before the race? Yeah, the Who Velocity cares if they're Elite. Under Armour.
2: No, they just have two <laughs> A names. A lot more people God care than cared
0: this time last week. I'll tell you, uh, Michelle. What'd you say?
2: The name is Velocity Elite. So thank you, Under Armour, for just sticking with two names.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> the second and third place finishers both wore uh, Nike ZoomX Vaporfly Next Percent Twos. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't even actually see a pair of alpha flies until we got to the 10th finisher, which was Nell Rojas. So yeah. it's always interesting to me when, you know, these top Nike runners, uh, go back to the Vaporfly fly next percent twos versus an alpha fly version.
0: I agree. And I agree. Well, to, me, that was it, to interesting... me, it speaks to the fact that, that not every super shoe, shoe works for every person equally. Right. Right. And so, so you actually have to learn how to run with the alpha fly in order to make the alpha fly work for you. And, and it's not going to work for everybody. Um, and so clearly it doesn't work for a lot of elite runners, even though in the lab, it's supposedly faster.
2: Yeah. There was a lot of talk about Scott Foble because he, you know, there were hints that he was about to sign a deal. He was also very clear that he was racing in New York city in the alpha fly it made no sense that, you know, he would sign a deal with anybody else besides Nike if if he was speaking the truth about the shoe that he was planning to wear the next day. So it is good to see Scott, you know, back out there and sponsored, um, even if it is a Nike sponsorship. So good yeah. for him.
0: <laughs> he had been uh, he had been unsponsored for like a year. Right. That's um, right. Yeah. When it. Yeah. Um, I think so, it's been
2: more than a year, but yeah. maybe 15 months. I'm not sure.
0: OK, so it's been it's been a while one way or another that, that he's been. Um, Wanting to to get a sponsorship with with a company that he feels good about because he was sponsored by Hoka um, and just didn't really like them anymore and felt like the shoes and the environment wasn't working for him anymore. Yeah, um, and he's and really he's also kind of held out hoping for for more of what he considered to be his market value too. So yeah,
2: and really to speak to Scott made a decision of you know what was best for him in terms of his training and he chose to go work with Joe Bosshart in a group that's not. Uh, sponsored by a shoe. Most of the athletes there, I mean, there's probably, you know, somebody from the top five brands in that group, if not one or two people. So he wasn't bound to a shoe contract to pick the coach. He picked the coach and then he needed to find a contract that would support his decision to pick a coach who's not affiliated with a shoe brand. Mm -hmm. So good for him.
0: For sure. For sure. Very good. All right. We're going to talk about this shut-in Ridge trail run. That destroyed me and Michelle just kind of took in stride. <laughs> okay,
1: well, no. so Michelle, just before we even get started, destroyed him, right? And he's, oh, I'm having trouble walking. I haven't run since then. Yeah, I, and, and what did you do last Saturday, night, George? Is now, George, Wednesday,
0: I George, haven't run since
1: then. George, what did you do last night? What, did, what he did you race on Zwift? In? I raced on Zwift, on Zwift last night. Actually, what place DVD did you race. come in, George? So I, I came in seventh, which I was did, happy about. Did you make the selection? Uh, uh, apparently, you did. I, you came I in did. seventh. I did. <laughs> Yeah. Did. Michelle, right. he is, he is acting like a big baby. <laughs> I mean,
2: I saw George's comments the day after were, or maybe it was the night after that he was hurting worse than he heard in London.
0: Oh, for sure. No, I, I, I was, I was far sore after this race on Sunday on Monday into Tuesday. I even, so when, when I do a Zwift race as part of the Zwift Racing League on Tuesday nights, I have to then double back and do a bike workout 12 hours later with my trainer road group workouts on Wednesday morning. Um, and so I, I double back and did that workout with them this morning on the bike. And I can still feel the soreness in my legs. Now, it's not bad. It's not effect- affecting me going downstairs anymore. I was yesterday, Tuesday, I was still going downstairs backwards. That's how bad it was. Monday, I was like, I cannot run on Monday not like oh it would be kind of painful or uncomfortable or maybe it's not a good idea if I run like I literally could not run I was that stiff and sore 48 hours afterwards
2: I mean I in a way wish I was that sore I mean I was definitely (laughs) hurting a little bit um (laughs) but I hopped back in and just kind of did an easy 30 minute treadmill run on Monday and ran five miles yesterday and going to do a strength workout after we podcast here strength workout
0: oh my god (laughs) No. Yeah. That is not even on my, my radar right now. I'm going to run tomorrow morning for the first time. So five days later. Um, but, but as badly as this race showed me that I need to be doing more strength workouts, I do not feel like they are a good idea for at least another few more days. So,
2: you know, this race showed me that the next time George says he signs up for a trail race in Western North Carolina, and I get really excited about it and I want to do it just because he's doing it. I should really look at like the elevation profile in the race um and yeah. not just like jump on board because it's running from Asheville to Brevard and I like those towns <laughs> because Asheville to
1: what could the elevation profile look like from to yeah, yeah, yeah I mean no big deal right
2: I mean yeah. my biggest takeaway is there is just every you should just drive from <laughs> the park. it's cool you get some pretty views on the parkway you can even take 26 to a highway whichever way is is better than the way that we went
0: <laughs> we we had actually so post race my my family picks it's a point-to-point race obviously as we're describing and so so it actually historically it follows the path that that george vanderbilt walked going from the biltmore house um up to his hunting preserve in the Pisgah national forest right um and and it kind of goes across the and along the blue ridge parkway um and so there are several places where we kind of like popped out of the woods and we're on the blue ridge parkway and we crossed it a few times stuff like that so my wife and my sons picked me up at the finish line and we had a lovely drive back down the mountain on the blue ridge parkway with all the leaves changing and coming out of the clouds and and, and all that sort of thing so Yeah, actually i'm inclined to agree with you michelle like we should have just gone up there
1: and done the drive (laughs) (laughs) so so let me let me let me get into this going i think michelle just gave us a great lead in my question michelle is how did this happen because you're doing all these um north georgia south carolina uh west virginia runs you're up there and you keep saying, I'm just not good at this off-road climbing, running. And yet you're signed up for this, this race that is just literally that. It's off-road climbing <laughs> from the beginning to the end. So my, my question, you know, and George, I'll let you get into it also. But how did this happen, Michelle? How did you get yourself in this situation?
2: Honestly, I just, I we started recording a podcast. George told me. He signed up for this trail race. I literally pulled it up. All I saw was this race, something Asheville, something, something ends in the Mount Pisgah parking lot. I know exactly where that is. I know Pisgah national forest up to the parkway, you know, get to the Mount turn, right? I know like, I'm like, I was gonna oh. say, we,
0: we actually have it on, on tape.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, and then I was thinking, well, George is doing that. Then that's, somebody and I'm not quote unquote alone, which is always kind of typically what it's like for me, but I don't want it to be like that. So I just decided to sign up and George is telling me it's a lottery. We're probably not going to get in. There's only 225 spots. It was just like a foam. I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. I want to do more trail stuff this fall. And I want to, you know, race my way into fitness or something, something, I don't know. Anyway. So I literally, I just, I signed up and I got in and George didn't. So we waited until 10 days before the race for George to get pulled off the wait list. Um, I don't know.
0: <laughs> and then I did and we planned a quick trip up there and I brought my family and it and it was... You know we had a good trip we had a nice weekend my my son spent two hours on the grounds of, of the biltmore estate while i was you know suffering in the woods um and uh and they came and picked us up and uh we had a good dinner we went to a brewery um we uh we went to a chocolate shop there Um uh, yeah we saw a streaker I mean, the whole thing was just, you know, it was a fantastic weekend with lots of core memories for my son, some of which perhaps I would choose <laughs> not to have core memories, but you know.
2: The best part of George's story is that everything George did up until the like after party, I did after the after party because it took me so much longer to finish the race that <laughs> I went to the after party and then went to the chocolate place and then went to the brewery. <laughs>
0: That's one way of saying it. Another way of saying it is that George was so wrecked that we actually left the the awards slash after party thing before they even got the awards. You had to pick mine up for me. I went back to the hotel and went to sleep. And <laughs> you just like lived it up in downtown Asheville.
2: That is true. When they when they called the, you know, 13th place male overall finisher, I was like, I'm not George. I'm not George. Hopefully that was obvious, but you know.
1: <laughs> not in today's day and age. So I appreciate your
0: picking up my award for me and my t shirt for me because there was no way I was gonna not get a t shirt for that dang race. So so I appreciate it. All right. So, so
1: so Michelle, on that note, so you've you've stated how you got yourself into this and we'll get into what what like what this is when I said you got into this, but is this a, a stepping stone? Did you feel like this is a, an entry drug for you to get into this trail running scene, this off-road running scene? Is this a preparation for something, you know?
2: I mean, it I can't just
1: be FOMO. There's gotta be more to it.
2: No, I mean, I, this race is I think a good preparation for mist in January. Obviously this is 18 miles. It was, maybe I think it's 17.8, but they added an extra mile. In my mind, I was just hoping to be done within 20 miles. Cause I know when trail people say an extra mile, I don't ever really know what that means. <laughs> right. Um, so it has, you know, a ridiculous amount of climbing. Um, I did do somewhat of kind of a simulation run two weeks before it, and it was awful for me. So I really, I had a pretty good idea of going into this i mean at the beginning of the race i was standing there and i was just thinking i just don't want to be last <laughs> like i just i just really hope i don't i don't finish last so yeah and you didn't it's, it's what
1: and you and didn't did not. Yeah.
2: i didn't finish last but uh, um yeah i mean it just seemed like a good a good stepping stone i guess working towards january but maybe also just in general working towards getting more confident on the trail um which I don't know that that happened because, and we can get into this more, but it poured rain and the Hills were relentless. And I was, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to trip on the way up and I, sorry, I didn't want to slip on the way up, even though we were only walking, it was so wet. And then on the downs, I was just like terrified to to fall. Yeah. So
1: yeah, uh, I got comments didn't build from any confidence, both of you, but <laughs> right. I, I got comments from both of you on that. And George, I, I did want to you know, ask you about that. Was this a confidence builder or sort of a confidence check for you? You know, I don't, I mean,
0: one thing I feel like I've learned over the course of the past year, and this feels like I'm learning this really late, is that there's trail races and there's trail races. Do you know? <laughs> um, and, yes, I do. Because I've done a lot of trail races. I have, most of which were shorter, some of which were longer, um, but, but I've done probably in my life 40 trail races um but it's only until very recently that i feel like i started getting on to like hardcore technical difficult trails where you have to hike and navigate technical terrain and da 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 da
1: right there is a definite difference between cross country and off-road trail race
0: yeah i mean and 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 perhaps like the the Perhaps the, the trail races that I had done more of in the past, like dirty spokes and things like that, that are shorter races, maybe they made those races to be more like cross-country races um, and, and in order to make them more palatable to the masses. Um, and and I think that's fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. But I didn't totally realize that's what I was doing. Um, I mean, I, I, I've done trail races at, at lots of really well known trails in the metro Atlanta area and beyond. Um, and some of them would have like technical sections, but not like the whole race being up and down and on these narrow ridges and and with these you know, 25% grades that you have to like use your entire body to climb and, and, uh, creek crossings and all these different sorts of things. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't realize there was, I knew of course there were super technical trails out there, but I didn't realize that what I would consider to be a fairly run of the mill trail race, like mountain mist or like the shut in Ridge trail run would be that technical and that difficult and that draining and, that much different from the mountain goat adventure Fort Yargo, you know, trail race that, that, that I might've done in the past. You see what I'm saying? I do.
1: I do. But back to what I was asking, you know, you, you had, a, you made a lot of commentary on your downhill prowess or your uphill prowess or your, you know, level ground prowess. And then you actually mentioned the the running along the Ridge. Mm-hmm. Like how do you feel? That was feel- terrifying by the way. How do you feel this this impacted your confidence? Was it a builder or was it a a check? And like, I'm just that's just not me. I, I I think it built
0: it in some ways, and I think that it 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 was the latter, whatever you want to call that, and 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 other ways. So when it comes to, um, like. I I think I did a good job in this one in hiking up the steepest hills and, and kind of balancing I think I did a good job with that. I still think I need to work on that, but like making a judgment call in terms of when you're going to hike and when you're going to run and stuff like that. I think I did a good job with that because that's something that in the past it's like, well, it's a hill until you're going to run up it because it's not because I wasn't running up technical enough hills basically. Um, And, and so this was good in that regard. And so I had that kind of experience that you have on more technical trails of, so you hike for a little while, and then you have to kind of get your legs going again and how difficult that can be. Um, Yeah, that was hard. Um, But then when it comes to like down the downhill stuff, like I do not have confidence in the downhills. Um, And I got, I got past I didn't, I did not get past going up hills very much. I got passed by like one, maybe one person going uphill the entire race. Um, and, and I got passed by several people going downhill. Um, I mean, people would pass me going downhill, like, like a comet. They would pass me going downhill. It was like that boulder in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like <laughs> they, it was just insane. Um, and I would have to like dive out of their way off of the trail because they were going so much faster than I was downhill. And they would put like, they would get 200 yards in front of me by the time we get to the bottom of the hill. And then it would flatten out and I'd start catching them. And then we start going uphill again and I would catch them going uphill. And at that point now I'm behind them. And so I have to kind of back off a little bit and run their pace going up the hill um because you know i think it would kind of be a little bit unsportsmanlike for me to be like get out of the way or like try to push past him or something knowing that as soon as it starts pitching downhill again they're going to 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 be gone
1: do you so, think they're metering their effort better
0: no i think if you no, were to no, apply there i don't okay no
1: okay. i don't do you think they're I making think, up for i, I think maybe that their they, lack i think of that fitness? they have
0: i think they have two things that i don't have one is that they have more more uh recklessness going downhill um, I think they're willing to take bigger risks. Um, I think they, that's, that's obviously related to their confidence, um, which has to do with shoe choice and which has to do with experience and, and a few other things. At one point, the thought crossed my mind that I'm older yet less experienced running on technical trails than a lot of the people I was around. And that's you a bad children combo. children and a wife. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and so I'm inclined to take fewer risks already. And then I'm also less experienced. Um, but then I think there's also a skill component too. Um, yeah. I think that they're 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 willing to take bigger risks and they're more skilled. Um and so those two things together. And so I I do think I could probably improve my skills. Um, but as I continue to get older, I do not imagine myself taking
1: like becoming more reckless going downhill. I just don't see that happening. I think there's also a serious physical impact to that. I mean, maybe in an 18-mile race it's not as bad, but you're gonna destroy your quads oh i did destroy my quads for sure i mean that's the reason why i've been so sore i think however if you were going faster on the downhills it would have been so much worse
0: you think it's Cause that because I, I felt like i was breaking so much on the down oh
1: well yeah i guess you know yeah. but, i guess if you can get to the point where you're not you're going so fast that you're not breaking which i i don't I, i've never reached <laughs> that yeah. level of speed yeah. so okay so so on that on that kind of vain, Michelle, I was lucky enough to get many updates on your race. Um, but we did not talk much about how it went for you. And when I looked at the profile to this race, if, if I was to apply what, like, listen to what Georgia said, I did a better job walking uphill. I would have thought, well, you probably walked 90% of the time then, because this race is primarily (laughs) uphill and you just mentioned the terrifying nature of the ridges, so give me like walk me through like those kind of the craziness of this being an all uphill race with these really terrifying aspects to it
0: yeah describe those ridges that you was know, nuts
2: I would say if I look at like where I started the race I mean I was probably in the back third but closer to the front of it the first three miles the first mile was either flat or a little bit down And I was mentally prepared. I knew I would be walking at 5k. It was straight uphill. It was going to be, you know, George had said 5k, 15k. um, And then obviously the last two miles are kind of iconic for being relentlessly up. So I didn't really lose any position in the first three miles. Um, And then it just became straight up. And I promise you, there was at least three dozen women that passed me power hiking that first hill. that the One after was, 5k. Yeah. At 5k. I mean, that was, it was almost, it wasn't even demoralizing. It was just funny. I was like, my heart rate stayed at probably 165 the whole way I'm walking, I'm hiking. Maybe it wasn't that high, but I never recovered. It wasn't. And, and maybe I have the, the mentality of what the power hiking should be like. Cause in my mind, it's like a tiny bit of recovery. If I don't try to run this, then I'm going to be able to run better after if I don't, you know, go too anaerobic running and then I'll just power hike. And then I can run after um, really what happened after that Hill was it just started pouring rain and it was warm at the beginning and the temperature dropped. And then where it did become runnable. Yeah. It was ridges. It was like, if you fall to your right, you're going off the fucking mountain. And when people are are trying to pass me, and I don't actually think I ever got past when it was somewhere where everybody was running, right? I got demolished on the uphills. I don't even know where the people came from on the downs to keep (laughs) passing me because I felt like I had to for sure be the last one. Um, But I got to mile nine and I was only 12 minutes ahead of the cutoff and I had no... Of everything I had prepared for or gone through, I didn't have any, um, I had no mental game for that. So I just sort of shifted to just keeping moving, like whatever that meant. And the parts of it that were, were runnable, um, some of them were just really treacherous. If somebody, if somebody needed to pass you. And like I said, towards the second half, there was very few people still passing me, but you really, if you had to get over one wrong step and you're on a ridge, um, there were parts of it where i felt i was trying to like be thankful for just being out there cuz in a lot <laughs> of the backpacking that i do especially just in this area you know you always want that amazing ridge and that amazing view but you barely ever get it right you could go for 30 miles and you have like 0. 0.75 miles of an exposed ridge there was so much more of that here <laughs> but we couldn't see we were in clouds and fog and it was pouring down rain and the winds were gusting um, so I tried to just you know, enjoy a little bit of it, but it was it was really tough for me. <laughs> um that I, sounds like it so you know, I, and yeah. I don't, and I don't know if the uphill well, you know, I know some of it is people say it's a skill and it can't be taught or, or it can be taught. Um, but George told me after <laughs> that there's a limit, <laughs> right? Like you can only get so much better at this part of yeah. part of trail running. I mean,
0: that that's basically what I just said for myself.
2: Yeah. So
0: I, I'm not going to, because part, I think part of the skill, if you will, is becoming more confident or, and, and even becoming more reckless. It's letting go.
2: But that's, that's for the downs.
0: I'm, I'm not going to get that. I, that's just not going to happen. Michelle was talking about the
2: uphills. But that's for the downs. I'm yeah, not, not downs. I'm not expecting, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty generally, I think like my personality profile, I'm pretty risk averse. And I'm always scared of hurting myself, right? Every time I was going down, I was thinking to myself, the same thing I think when I ski is I cannot, I have to go home to my kids. Like I cannot have a broken leg, right? So this is what I'm thinking on the downs, but on the ups, like, I don't know. Am I that out of shape? Are these people that much better than me? When I I look around, it's like, there's no way they're beating me this bad, but they are. (laughs) So- Um,
1: I think it's a skill also. I do too. I I think it's a- it's a people skill
2: poles. i mean i wasn't gonna i don't know i just poles. i think are a little overzealous for this but people are using them
1: yeah i, I think, think it's a skill and it's not a skill, not I, a I skill that right, you can yeah. train necessarily on the road hmm. it, you need that uh, off camber twisty rock strewn the steps steps are something that i've always struggled with you know if i see a set of steps on a trail i immediately look left look right and see if i can run next to them Because I know as soon as I start putting my feet on those steps, it's going to wear me out.
2: It's funny and it's not funny, but it's interesting that you mentioned the steps because I found that I had really solid footing on all the wet leaves, all the mud puddles, all the wet rocks, you know, that we might have been jumping across. But a lot of this trail was so well maintained that a lot of it did have steps and the steps were made out of, you know, what looks to be like a tree branch or a big tree root or whatever that wet wood of the tree or whatever, that was, that was treacherous. Anytime mm. I put my foot on that, I went sliding. Mm. Um, so the steps were made even more complicated by don't actually step on the step <laughs> for me at least. Yeah. Uh, so Did, yeah, you, you, did you
0: fall down any?
2: No, I didn't fall at all, but I don't, I don't know that that's like something to be so proud of. I mean, I was very, very cautious.
1: What did mm. you have on your feet?
2: So I wore the, uh, Solomon Pulsar trail shoes. And once they got wet, I don't, I don't know if I got really cold. Um, it, it's just, it got so much colder as we climbed. Mm. And then once they got wet, it felt like my feet were, I knew that they were, I knew that I was secure in the bottom of the shoe, but my foot was just moving around so much. It felt like they had shrunk a size, you know, you buy your shoes half a size bigger, your foot swells when it's warm. And I was thinking to myself, does the opposite happen if you're freezing cold? Like, did my (laughs) foot just shrink? Why are my shoes so big? I feel like I'm floating in water but I don't know if shoes would have made a difference. I, I have to tell you something before the race, I saw a woman in the bathroom. She had on a brand new pair of Saucony rides. And I, and I remember cool. coming out and I commented, I was like, I think someone is going to go out there and road shoes. And I have no idea what, like, what is wrong with that person? I actually met her at the after party. I was going to say, I, I
0: spoke to her at the after party. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She came up from Florida, no trail, no trail running experience didn't even know she needed trail shoes and she placed 13th female overall. So it's like, (laughs) are we too, like, am I too mental about the shoes? Like, am I too scared of slipping? I I don't know. I just, um, yeah.
1: I I think there's a confidence piece in that though. I think that sometimes the right equipment gives you confidence. And I think sometimes if you don't know any better, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. But I also feel like on the flats and the climbs, she might have just been able to unleash herself and on the downhills, maybe she just kind of went real conservative and that, that played to her style or her fitness level. Yeah. She said, you know you don't know,
2: she said she split, you know, just slipping a few times out there, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't horrible for her. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, before my feet got soaking wet, the shoes were fine. I don't,
1: they have a pull tie it's not an actual lace you know they do yeah yeah okay so did you ever try to adjust them
2: no i no my whole like by mile nine my only goal for the whole day was to quote be a finisher (laughs) like that's all (laughs) i mean you know i'm i'm jack what
1: to check Check. you did it yeah yeah check the box on that one because and if if i hope you don't mind me saying this uh you know nine miles you were you were chasing cutoffs
2: yeah and i was right and i had to get to 16 and there was nothing easy about i knew we were going to get to like another huge climb at oh we're right there at mile nine at 15k yeah, holy right. cow that was crazy yeah that was you could bear i could barely even get started up that nine mile hill um and
1: that that hill actually starts at eight mm-hmm. and it just keeps going all the way to like 11 or yeah, almost yeah but 11. i
2: think and George, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but after we crossed that road, it right. got significantly steeper. Right. Like it no, does, there's yeah. nobody running up that at right. that point.
0: That's yeah. right. So. Yeah. No, that, that that was one thing that I did well as far as saying, okay, mentally prepare yourself. You're going to be hiking at 5k, you're going to be hiking at, at, at 15k and you're going to be hiking at 25k. Just know that that's kind of part of it, George. Um, And I did that and I was totally right about that because those were by far the steepest parts and they got progressively harder um the one yeah the, one, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> one at 5k was was difficult and and but not too terribly long the one at 15k was more difficult and a little bit longer the one at 25k was the most difficult and then it went on and it kept going on and i was like oh look there's the top that wasn't the top right um yeah it just kept. On going cold on. and then and then we crested the top and they had the most technical downhill of the entire race on, on the backside of that down towards the finish line. Um, and so we had to go like another close to half a mile downhill, um, over super technical area there. And I, I'm going downhill knowing that this dude who had, you know, like I was talking about before that had passed me so quickly uh, a couple of times who I had, put a pretty solid gap on uh he took a spill and and i was just better going uphill than he was i was like that dude's gonna catch me and i was calling him something else in my head i was like that dude's (laughs) gonna catch me um and then we get off of there and we get onto the road and i was like oh i might actually hold him off here and we get into the added section and then we get onto the trail of the added section it's a little more technical i was like oh my god and then sure enough here he comes past me just like like a shooting star um um he was laid out at the finish line, like literally laying across the line, like, like you know, breathing heavily and all that sort of thing. So I did take some satisfaction that that's what it took to actually get past me in the last half mile. You um, have been there before. So <laughs> you were actually on all fours on the so, ground. So, <laughs> yes. so that was good to cramping. But yeah, that was the Blue Ridge Run 2019
1: for sure. I, um, so, so, George, keeping along this this line, and, we, and Michelle, you mentioned the weather. The weather, as you guys were driving up, Michelle sends me a video of this out the window of the mm-hmm. car she's she's approaching the start line with and it's pouring yeah and i would i don't know how this like snuck up on you guys and there's not a whole lot you guys could have done about it right <laughs> but but here's the thing i made a comment i said i basically said george i am so sorry you have the wrong shoes for this yeah. so talk us through talk us and, through and, that.
0: and michelle to her credit said eric this is stop. not the time for that <laughs> she said stop
2: <laughs> i mean george had already Already woke up to a dead watch or a quasi dead watch. Do I have any extra gels? And now here comes Eric rating on. Like, it's like Eric. He's he's down, man. Like Michelle, let him. That be. was.
1: Like, I had no idea of any of those. George things. only got and off the wait list ten days ago. Yeah, I was giving George a heads up that this is not the day to wear no, those. I shoes. was so, I was
0: I was well aware of that very thing, and and yeah, okay. So so and then you texted us afterwards and said, "How were the shoes?" Um, the answer is they were okay. Um they they certainly could have been better, um um, but they were not terrible. This course didn't have any of like these long sections of just like rocks, yeah, of just like okay. literally jumping from rock to rock to rock. Okay. that you have in mountain mist and that you have in a lot of other places, like you didn't have any of that, no like, ice, yeah, it didn't have any ice exactly yeah, um it it had some mud. But honestly, even though it was raining on us, not a ton, um, it was mostly just leaf covered trail. Um, and and it was kind of slick, certainly on those steps as as Michelle was just talking about. And then when you try and go downhill and sort of corner quickly going downhill with all those leaves there, I, I didn't even like I didn't even try just because I was like, I'm going to slip. Yeah. Um, and so maybe if I would have had grippier shoes, I would have been more confident and would have perhaps pushed a little bit more going down those hills, but I would literally come up to like a hairpin turn on downhill and would, would practically come to a stop in turn. Okay.
1: Um, cause I've used those on dry ground mm-hmm. going down hairpin turns, pretty steep, a mm-hmm. little bit technical. And I was that shooting star. So yeah. I think, and I'm, I'm simply saying this, cause I think Michelle, I think you had the right shoe. I think you had the best shoe you could have. You spent a lot of time Getting to that shoe, and I think it's good for people who are running these races and know, like, if you're in a wet environment like that, that's probably a really good shoe. But then at the same time, I say a lot of great things about the um, the Adidas uh, Terrex Speed Ultra. But in the wet, they, I'm not yeah, sure. I'm yeah. not sure you're in the right shoe. I for mean, the, they're wet. they're only they're only 2.5 millimeter lugs. Right. I mean,
0: they 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 just need a little bit more than that. And and I I, I plan to have you know. Michelle and I are going to run another trail race that has some more rocky trails in next month in December. We might even run two next month um, in December. <laughs> and, and and it is all in preparation for Mountain Mist. you know, familiarizing ourselves, right. building our confidence, um, uh, improving our skills. And and I agree with you, too, Eric, that that being fit um, certainly helps you get up a 20 plus percent grade that requires hiking being fit does that, but the the thing that does that best is hiking 25% grades. Yeah. Um, and so so I do think that there, there's a particular sort of, of of work that needs to be done there. I also need to do more strength work. Like literally my lower back was tired and I felt like it was overused after that first 5K hike, that first hike at the 5K point. Um, and I was like, "That's not okay." So your strangely, form wasn't breaking sore,
1: down but... on that really mm-hmm. steep uphill. Mm-hmm. You're starting to lean forward, wear oh, yeah. out right. your yeah, back, big yep. time, yep. big time,
0: yeah. And and so I, I clearly need to do a little bit more strength work in order to address that. But Eric, Eric, I mean, to your point about the shoes though, and about confidence and going downhill, um, my trapezius was sore. So like my shoulders were sore, mm-hmm. and I'm certain that was from like holding my tension yep. in my shoulders as I was going downhill, like being I... tense. I uh, actually and, I, and I was that... telling myself, don't be tense, relax. And even with yeah. that, I was literally sore the next day from tensing my shoulders while going downhill out of
1: nerves. I think the weather really affects that, too, when it's cold outside. For sure. I think that makes it even worse. I'm sure. Yeah. You yeah, George, something, did you Michelle?
2: take all six gels? Uh,
1: let's see.
0: I took one at, I took them at roughly 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and 30 minutes, two hours, two hours. I took five gels.
2: And did you just take them without water and then just get water when you found it?
0: If no they're... i i i took them as close as i they actually had a lot of aid stations i was impressed by the number of aid stations they had so when um, i got the three aid to station, four miles was, right yeah they had a bunch of aid stations and so i was able to take them at aid stations and and mm-hmm. and and down some water real quick and then move on
2: yeah after mile nine there was no aid really left like i was basically if i got to the place there was an igloo cooler and a stack of cups, but the cups are paper and it was pouring rain, so they were wet. Right. So I'm trying to drink water out of like a cup that's folding in my hand. But okay.
0: So <laughs> that 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 was a privilege that I had as somebody close the yeah. front of the race that, that the volunteers were there and they were they were getting wet, but but they were there and they had cups filled every time I went through.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um uh but yeah, so I fell once. Um and I fell I and I almost fell a second time. Um, and both of them were in these sort of narrow cliff like ridge areas (laughs) um and so so yeah there were there were several places where and i was like this is an aptly named run the shut-in ridge trail run um where there was about it was about two foot wide trail so not a wide trail at all um and we're running along it and on at least one side if not both sides it's sloping down very sharply and you're just kind of running there along the edge of a cliff um, and that was, that was unnerving. Um, and so one time we were going down and I actually kind of lost control going down and went off the side, but was able to grab a tree and kind of went, whoa, and swung around and kept from going off the side of the cliff. Cause I literally grabbed a tree. Whoa. Um, and, and the other time was on the flat when I actually did fall, um, that I was just kind of cruising along and I slipped. And as I slipped, my legs went off the side of the cliff. And so I fell sort of onto my elbow and caught myself on the trail, on the ridge using my arm <laughs> while my, while my body slid down the side of the
2: cliff. I, uh, I really hope so, my mom doesn't listen to this and so, so
0: had, had I not, had I not caught myself with that, I would have gone probably 20 feet down the side of the, of the cliff. I've right. had that
1: experience mountain biking, never running, but I yeah. have had that experience mountain yeah. biking. It, it, is yeah. Yeah. it is terrifying. It is terrifying.
0: And, and fortunately I had enough wherewithal to jump up really quickly and just go and not think about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I did. And then, um, and then obviously my, uh, honestly my, my elbow and my, my hip, cause I landed on my, my, my hip slid along the ground. Right. Um, I didn't notice how much they hurt until we got to the finish. And then I got in the car at the finish and I was like, that really actually hurts. And my arm like really hurt. Um, it went away fairly quickly. But but yeah, the adrenaline and whatever adrenaline, cold weather, yeah, race environment, yeah. As as soon as all that stuff went away, it started to hurt pretty good. Um, Mm. So I was a lot better off than the nine times that I fell last year at Mountain Mist for sure. Um, And I didn't have that hard fall on my back like I did five k into Mountain Mist earlier this year, which was just awful. Um, But um, but yeah, that
1: that was a that was a solid fall. So there you go, and. We, we probably talk about 10, 12 other things, but I wanted to ask the two of you, since I'm running mountain Mist with you and you guys have convinced me that I need to put myself in the lottery for shut in next year. Cause it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I'm not running any next year, but we can
0: talk about Come, that. Uh, we can talk about that Michelle,
1: can you, can you draw a comparison between these two races you know, different environment, you know, and stuff like that, but can you draw a comparison between them?
2: It's interesting for me because <clears throat> mountain Mist demoralized me. Like I've never, you know, like I walked away from that, just head down and just kind of didn't really come out of that for, for a little while. Um, this race, I would say overall, like performance wise and time-wise was basically the same experience. I just didn't let it destroy the day or, you know, my, I mean, I don't, I don't have any more confidence at all, but, but I just, I guess I took it a lot less, uh, I can't explain it. It should have been the same type of, Oh, I suck so bad. Or I don't like, I'm never going to do this again. Um, but I don't know this, this to me. That's good. I don't know. I just, it. it is, it is what it is. Like maybe this is, maybe this is just what I'm like on the trail. Like maybe this is, you know, just what it is if I'm going to go to these technical races with, hard parts um I'm really cautious and I don't think these people that are just out there uh or I just need a lot more fitness than I have basically because I'm not going to be the risk taker downhill I do think I can get better on the uphills I think there's always fitness to be gained but you know at some point I may maybe it's just time to stop thinking that I could be you know like an age group placer in these races which is kind of where I went in thinking like I was but as soon as I got there and I looked around, I was so intimidated. I was like, can, is there a road marathon anywhere around here? <laughs> like, <laughs> am I at the wrong place? Um, so in my mind, I, I go in there and I have this vision of myself on these trails and it's, I come out and I'm, I'm far from them. Um, I mean, I do have some, you know, it's nothing like it, but like a fat ass one year, I think it was like 10 years ago. And I That's just the name of
0: the race. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: bad say,
0: I had a fat ass um, one. Me you know, like, too, me too. Some, man, of, me too. some yeah. of the
2: some of the Red Top trail races, but I mean this is 10 years ago. I don't know, maybe I I wasn't really faster then though. I wasn't a faster marathoner then than I am now. So Okay.
1: okay so, so Scott Jerk, yeah, I don't do Instagram and all that, but um, Scott Jerk actually put out a a really funny little post that someone forwarded to me. And it's it's sort of like it's like the progression of running, and it It shows this guy on the road, and he says, me at a road half marathon, and and the caption is, I'm really more of a trail runner. And then it shows him on a trail 5K, and he says, you know, I'm actually more focused on ultras. And then it shows him on a 50K, and the caption is, I'm really more of a 100 mile specialist. And then the last picture is him at a 100 miler, I mostly excel at the shorter road stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a, Michelle, I've, we've kind of got to watch you go through this progression. And I would say part of it is it's not easy in any of these environments. And you can't let, you know, like you did one of the hardest off <laughs> runs in horrible conditions. And the fact that you came out with a good kind of perspective, I think is the growth is going well, to help you with future runs.
2: I will also say that, I have no, when I go out there and and this is the same experience at miss that it was this past weekend, I feel like I'm on a long run on a trail. I have no, when I go do a run, like a long run versus, you know, a half marathon or something, if I'm going for a time, I am, I'm at a different level when I'm racing on the road. I don't know. George is way more sore than me because I think at least, you know, comparatively he was racing. I'm not like, I don't know how to find that, um, how to find that hurt. I mean, that's the, that's not the right word. Cause believe is it me, a this rhythm?
1: Is like this you're was constantly hurting. knocked out of your rhythm what? on the trail. It's like, you're it, constantly knocked I mean, that, out of that, your that, rhythm that on the trail. That could be why,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just no, um, yeah, I don't ever really feel like I'm, I'm like, I'm not hurting out there in the way that I think that I should be hurting, so to speak. Hmm. If I was in like a real, if I was really, really kind of racing, um, but also it's like, if you're on a 19 mile, an 18 to 20 mile trail race, like when are you supposed to start hurting? Right. Because you can't, you can't go out mile um, two. And then, and then when you have these crazy, you know, when you have to climb a thousand feet every 10 K in one mile, it's like, that's a whole different type of hurt. Um, yeah. so I think figuring out like what it actually means to race these trail races is, what is my like my my leftover, uh, my takeaway from this.
1: Well, that's well, I, good. So, I think that's really good. I think so
0: too. And I, I I have a lot of thoughts just on the whole gamut of things that you just said. One is to say that that Mountain Mist and the Shut and Ridge Trail Run are, are more competitive races than those other races you just named. And so I think that that's important to keep in mind. Sure. Um, and another thing to say is that I do think, at least speaking for myself, I think that I run okay on trails, but I, I do actually think I am a far better road runner than I am a trail runner. The guy who who won this race beat me by 35 minutes. Um, if we were on an 18 mile road race, even if it had the same profile, um, he would not beat me by 35 minutes even in my current shape, even though I'm a month after out of a marathon like he wouldn't there, there, there's no way. Um, he would not run two minutes per mile faster than I did, I mean, um, in this environment. Um, I've gone so, through that. So I've gone so, through that
2: with a lot of these women, but like, but it doesn't matter if, because you're not on the road against them. Right. right. You're, you're in a trail right. race against them. Right.
0: No, totally. And that's, and that's, that's, it's, that's the reason why it's of limited solace because it's a little bit of a douchebaggy thing to be like, well, I beat him if in <laughs> a road marathon, <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm glad you um, said that. And so, me. so, so no, it's true. It's totally true. Like, like. I, he doesn't care that I would, I, I would be faster than he is in a road marathon because he's not signing up for any road marathons, right? And so, so I, the point being is that I do think that there's, there's a difference between these these disciplines. Um, and then the, the final thing I'll say about it is that one of my big takeaways from from this race, just during the race itself, is that, that – and I've thought this on several occasions, but I think it becomes more true as the trail races become more trail racy, as they become more technical and more difficult – um is that trail racing is very similar i think to bike racing um and and in some ways that are kind of annoying in that um i tend to catch people going up hills and they tend to leave me going downhills because they're more reckless and more skilled than i am um and in some ways like the race doesn't always go to the fittest person um it sometimes goes to the person who's a little bit more skilled or the person who actually executes the race a little bit better um in a bike race and in a trail race, you can't always just run your own race. Like, I would catch these guys going up a hill. And as I said, I couldn't just, like, just roll on past them, right? I would have to kind of sit in behind them um, and sort of run their pace for a little while, even on some of the flats sometimes. Because because passing somebody in, in a race, you, you can't do that. Um, uh, in cycling, a lot of times the, the way the race unfolds determine who the winner is going to be. Um, and I think that that's true with the technicality of the course when it comes to, to trail racing. Um, but anyway, the, 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 reason why I was reminded of that when it came to what you were just talking about, Michelle, is that, um, and Eric mentioned this at the very start of the podcast about making the selection and the, the Zwift race last night. Um, cycling is so weird because you might go to the well and hit your maximum heart rate six minutes into the race and then and then it backs off and you chill out and you're in zone two for the next 30 minutes and then suddenly something happens you get to like a critical point in the race or there's a climb or there's a sprint point or something else like that and suddenly you are doing the maximum power that you can produce for 40 seconds and then you back way off again And you kind of tuck back into the pack and and you're, and that's kind of the way that, that, that I think the trail racing is. And I was certainly reminded of that in this race is that you have this, this massive climb that comes after 5k in which you're, you're going much deeper to the well than you would ever go 5k into an 18 mile race on the road. And then you have to kind of back off and recover during some of the other times in order that the next critical big point of the race, you're able to like really go deep again Um, it's not like this gradual, logical progression of effort that you start out at one and, and your, your biggest effort is going to necessarily be in the last point two of the race, the way that road racing is it's the efforts much more varied. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: And I don't know if I like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's one reason why I never liked cycling um because i am really good at saying all right it's a marathon i know exactly what my effort needs to feel like in mile one in mile two and mile three and mile I, I can do that with a 10 mile race if you if you had said here's an 18 mile race george do you know what your your effort needs to feel like yes i know what my efforts supposed to feel like in the first mile of the race i know that um on the roads and on trails i can't do that
1: and i think yeah. michelle my uh, I think you're more of a flow runner. You know, we talked about the flow state. And I think that you really perform best when you can get I into am, that. Sure. And there's no such thing in ultra running and in off road, you know, trail running. And that in bike no racing. There's no such thing. And in bike racing. Yeah. I've learned that for sure on the Zwift racing league.
2: So I, I think I can handle that. I just would like to get to the point where I think you can too, where I feel like I'm competing and I'm not. Chasing cutoffs sucks, man. (laughs) Like to be at nine miles and to be, you know, and and telling and people there that are supporting me, just basically telling me I have to pick it up and I'm can barely, you know, start the next climb. Um, so I think it's it's more and and I know George said some of those other races I mentioned earlier were easier or less competitive. But I do, I do know, I feel like I know what it feels like to to really be running hard and working hard and, and at least racing rather than just um, out, you know, trying to just keep moving forward, so to speak. So that's like, that's, that I would prefer to be in that situation, even if, you know, I'm nowhere near top something in my age group, because clearly I'm nowhere near that, but well, um, I would,
1: I have two recommendations for you because I'm like, I'm shifting into coach mode. So coach Eric, talk to coach, coach Michelle, just for a moment here. Okay. But the, what I would recommend is do runs even on the road that simulate that environment of that we've just talked about, like breaking the flow state up completely. Go kill a hill, carry it a little bit over the top, and then cruise recover down the backside of a hill. But don't make it three minutes or two minutes or one minute. Make it a I gotta get to the top of the hill and however that however long that hill is, and then meter your effort and learn how to meter after to get up to the top of that hill. That's that's number one. You can also do this on the track with randomly timed intervals. You know, where you've just got to do everything you can to get to the end of that interview at the top of your heart rate, you know, whatever box you're trying to be in and then have some sort of recovery that's not standard. And the second thing is let's try some races that aren't uber competitive so you can get some confidence without that, that specter of getting. You know of chasing cutoffs of you know 36 people in your age group passing you on the first hill and all that stuff like get out of that environment and you know put the training wheels on i feel like you you just jumped in an f1 car and so, you tried to go race you, and know, you can't do that
2: that trail race from a few months ago where sally Bray killed me but i came in second basically
1: yeah
2: like that was like i was running that i was you know and it, and it felt really good um i don't know that the race that we just signed up to fits fits the box eric you just described (laughs) since i just had to beg uh the race director to open two spots for george and i (laughs) and (laughs) almost all the women entered are like age 40 to to 49 so it looks to be pretty uh
1: is that a competitive competitive. age group? what (laughs) (laughs) so uh, i'm gonna go ahead and help us wrap this up like Final thoughts, and I'll start with you, George. You know, give us your your two-minute final thought, your your elevator speech final thought on this race. Uh,
0: I'll give you my final thought on it. So when I finished Mountain Mist in January, I was wrecked, absolutely wrecked. You know, similarly couldn't run for a few days, etc. cetera. Um, but I knew almost immediately that I was going to be doing it again. Um, and uh, that I want to sign up again, because there was such a host of things that I felt like I had done wrong, um, and things that I felt like I could do better. I was like, I can take a half hour off of my time, literally a half hour off of my time. Um, if I just fix some of these things, if I have better gear, if I, if I train better for it, if I hike better for it, if I know what I'm getting into a little bit more, et cetera. Right. Um, I can do so much better in this race. Um, I don't feel that way about this one. <laughs> um, I'm I'm I feel like I did about the best I could do. Um, I could have been fitter coming into it because you know, I did a, a marathon a month ago, uh, five weeks prior, right? Um, and the five weeks between uh the London marathon and the Shut Ridge Trail run, I ate a whole bunch of Halloween candy and drank some beer and did just all sorts of things that that are generally not advisable when you're training for like a big target race. Um and so if I were to really target this, I, yeah, I could probably go faster and do better. Um, but I feel, I don't want to do that. I feel perfectly content with, with the effort I put in and, and, and what the result was. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm checking this one off the list and, uh, and, and look forward to what's next.
1: I think that's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, your, your final thought on this race.
2: Oh, I have no desire to go back. I would never, uh, <laughs> never want to do it again. There is, there is a little bit of curiosity in, in what it would be like, not, in the type of weather with, with all the leaves down and the rain and the gusting winds. Like mm-hmm. there is, I do have some curiosity about, you know, what the trail might be like.
0: I would go running there again.
2: Yeah. So like if somebody wanted to take two cars and point to point, I mean, I I think I would probably do it again. I don't think that I would do this race again. And I've been steadfast in that, but I was, I was talking a little bit um, with former uh, friend. Well, not, friend of the podcast, Pat Benienda. So former guest. Um, and he said, it's still something on his list that he wants to do. So I can see like, if, if Pat wanted to go, that might be the only thing that could talk me back into (laughs) re-signing up for this race, but that's going to have to be like, you know, that would be it. I have oh, no
0: Pat, Pat listens to the podcast. He's going to hear that and he's going to sign up and you're going to be doing it again next year. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No,
2: he makes his own decisions. He's not going to sign up just because I said that. That's why I'm safe saying that. All right. Um, but I do, I, I have an interest to run it again. I don't have an interest to like run this race again. And it's hard to explain that right now. So I would say that that's kind of where I am.
1: Very good. Truth. Yeah. Eric, thanks oh, cool. for taking the lead, man, from the intro forward. Oh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, I, I do have some non-shut-in uh, redress Race uh, closing remarks here. Uh, we, we talked about at the, uh, at the end of the last podcast, I mentioned the runners. Actually, it was the beginning. I mentioned the runners that I had in the City of Oaks Marathon. Mm-hmm. And then there was another race out there that I wanted to talk about. But just to close the loop on that. City Oaks marathon, um, Melissa, my wife, she came in third for her age group, uh, just under four hours. Uh, there's more in the tank. If that's, that was her goal though, under four hours, uh, grace, uh, she came in first in her age group. Um, and she was not the only runner in her age group, just so we know, she said that at the (laughs) end of the race, but she was not, um, she also came in fourth overall. Um, and she did her, that was her marathon PR, uh, 339. Uh, there's a whole lot left in the tank there too. Um, and then, uh alex uh a runner i coach as well he placed third overall um he his goal was to run in the 250s he ran 257 and uh he said there was not a lot left in the tank (laughs) (laughs) city oaks marathon is not the uh, a fast course uh, but that was really cool for him to go out run his first marathon uh break three uh and end up third place um so that was that was awesome but I think very notable uh, friend of mine, uh, Dan Lilly, he's a coworker of mine. He's run a couple of uh, events with me, the Okinichi, uh relay and the mountain run that I did uh, earlier this year. Uh, but Dan's a big ultra runner. He ran the Pinote in mm-hmm. Alabama, just outside of Birmingham. Yep. Uh, it's a hundred, uh, very interesting. He showed up to work with the belt buckle. So he did finish, uh, he did make the cutoff, um, but he told me, Uh, Due to not listening to the race director and reading the directions that got you to the start of the race, he and his friend tried to use Google Maps, and they showed up 15 minutes late. So everybody's gone, gets on the course, and he spends the first half of the race trying to chase people down, and he said... And then the last, I think he said the last five miles, he got passed by like 50 people.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so a, a lesson that we all learn in these long races, but congratulations to all of them. Melissa, Grace, Alex, and Dan, they just, they really, you know, they kicked ass, uh, took names and it's, I'm just really proud of all of them.
0: Very good. Did Dan have anything special to say about the final rest stop at 95.5 miles in the Ben 100 100? Uh,
1: no, he did not because say that, about that. that
0: was being staffed by our friends caitlin burris and jonathan burke who are getting married next weekend um and our friend chris nasser whose name has come up on like every podcast over the course right. of the past month or so <laughs> so uh so yeah they were they were out there making uh, breakfast burritos for everybody hmm. to get them through those last five miles
1: i would not be surprised if he enjoyed one but he was hurting <laughs> he was hurting at that point so
0: very good congrats to the whole crew thanks for being here eric thanks for being here michelle always fun Have a good afternoon thanks everybody Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, or on Instagram, Most pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at ITLcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ITL Coaching Performance and on Instagram, ITO Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here4slayrx, that's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official and Instagram. Here for SlayRx, the number 4 SlayRx. Discount code Pleasant22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.